Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Thank you for being the first guest we've ever had on uh, Cricket's The Winner. Um, for once, we've not just got only Hampshire fans, we've got three of our, three Hans fans in today. We've got a Surrey fan as well. Rosie Chipchase of Tailenders fame and Melissa Storey of TMS fame on with us today. We're going to be looking at the 2022 domestic season specifically. So where should we start? Should we go county championship? Yeah, go for the big one. Seems as good a place as any. Should we, should we let the champions go first? Let's let the champions go first. Uh, well, things went pretty well for us throughout the whole season. We only had one loss and that was after we'd already won. So it doesn't really matter. Although it would have been nice to finally get that unbeaten season. Beating Hans was the best win of the season. Um, we had quite a few uh, like standout performers this year. Like Sam Curran really stepped up for the fact like it was the first time his batting had really come to fruition because obviously he only came back as a batter at first from his injury. Um, later in the season, his brother came back and was like, "I can bat too," and also scored a hundred. Um, but Rory Burns was kind of like our bedrock. He was but he was the highest run scorer throughout the whole season and so was Ryan Patel. They were the two who played every single match for us and then when it came to wickets, um, Dan Laurel was our standout with 39 and then Jamie Overton took 34 and Jamie Overton was rewarded with his England cap so it was And he nearly scored 100 as well on so England close, debut. still gutted about that. And I think that kind of tells us more about the depth as well that Surrey had I think they had 11 different century scorers this season yeah which is ridiculous the depth and the fact that you had so many players called up to England and taken out your squad and you could still keep winning games I'm not sure what do you think Melissa do you think Hampshire would have won the uh, the second leg if they played two games this season I'm not sure. It it was a bit of a strange one for Hampshire this year because, well, first of all, Surrey's problem is that they are too good. That's why you lose so many players to England. Hampshire have maintained this fantastic equilibrium of being great county players but never actually making that step up to England. And, you know, they've got a fantastic squad of experience and youth, which admittedly probably rested just a bit too much on, on Kyle Abbott, Keith Barker and Mohamed Abbas because the batting even at the start of the season, was not quite striking enough. So there was always that doubt in your mind that you were watching Surrey absolutely rack up these massive totals. And as you say, tons of different centurions, tons of depth in their squad. And just none of our batters were really standing up up to the mark. And the, the end of season awards night, Ben Brown was given the Red Bull Batch of the Year. And there was tons on social media being like, he's done nothing for us. But it was like, he was the leading run scorer. And if you think he's done nothing, when that's kind of indicative of just how it slept away towards the end. And, you know, it's always tough 
playing at the start of the season for so long and then having that entire month out in August and then having to come back when it's a bit cold and there's debates on whether people actually really want to be there going for a title race and going against the odds in the end. But yeah, I mean, it was a disappointing end to finish third. I think everyone thought we were going to finish second for the whole year. (laughs) Well, I think Hampshire managed to come third in a two-horse race. Well, and it was deeply inconvenient because the day after the final game against Warwickshire, we had the Hampshire Awards night. And then about eight times in the script, we had second in the county championship, second. We had to go through and change it all. All of the stats as well about the best finish in 40 years or something. But, I mean, I hate to say it because my distaste towards Surrey is quite widely documented. But they they outplayed outplayed Hampshire in every regard in the end. Yeah, they were just about probably the best team, weren't they, really? I, I, there wasn't really anyone that stood out as much as Surrey. I think all three formats, actually, Surrey were pretty pretty damn good, really. Um, were you, are you surprised how well Hampshire did? I wasn't expecting much this season, if I'm honest, because I'm just so used to sort of mid-table. I think I'm not actually too surprised that at some points in the season there could have been three three trophies coming back to the club, which, I mean, would have been amazing. But there is definitely something in in the squad which makes them just step up on these occasions. And whether it is just because for, you know, a few years, maybe the, there's a valid criticism of saying that they were just sitting in the middle of the table and they seemed a bit too happy with that. But these last few years, especially in the white ball stuff, there's been this real drive for, you know, and I'm sure we'll get into it more of, we need to get this this trophy wear because they're a massive club and it goes under the radar quite a lot as well that they're a very financially well-off club as well. So they should, you know, be able to get these bigger signings in. The signing of Nathan Ellis was revolutionary really this year and, you know, they, they should be able to compete with Surrey on on that rate, maybe not charging £8 a pint. It's a bit less at the Aegeus Bowl. But, <laughs> you know, it's... There feels like there's a bit of an attitude change, especially with some of the youngsters coming up. You throw someone like a Tom Prest into the fold, and I'm sure we'll be seeing him play Red Bull cricket this next year coming because he's been remarkable this season. But you throw in just some of that, like, youthful optimism and energy into a squad which maybe has looked a bit flat, and it's just lit up these these last two seasons, really. So... I think even from the start of the year, they were saying that we want to get our hands on that that county championship trophy. It didn't happen this year, and to be honest, I think next year's going to be maybe their their last big shot at it for a while. Because I think after next season, we may see Barker go, we may see Kyle Abbott go, and suddenly you've got a very young bowling lineup who haven't had many many games who have to step up in Div One if Div One even exists by then. So. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, 
Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. On the subject of Div 1, so we had, and the reason Hampshire came third and not second was last day of the season, we lost, well, we, Hampshire, sorry, lost against uh, Warwickshire, which will go down as probably one of the greatest finishes of a county championship game ever. Uh, Liam Norwell, the magic man himself, got his figures for the day there. 18.5 overs, three maidens, nine wickets for 62 runs. And they beat Hampshire by five runs in the end. And avoided relegation in the process as well. Inevitably sending Yorkshire down, which has received some backlash. I think uh, Joe Root's been receiving quite a lot of uh, abuse on Twitter for playing golf with Piers Morgan on the same day. I think you should get abuse any day you play golf with Piers Morgan, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I would probably agree with I that. Piers Morgan factor is far worse than missing playing for Yorkshire, personally. The optics of playing golf with Piers Morgan is probably worse than uh, yeah. <laughs> Yorkshire being relegated. We would all agree that Yorkshire were... It's not Joe Root's fault that Yorkshire were relegated, really. Um, but were, were you commentating on that game, Melissa? No, but I've... Obviously, there was a, a lot of talk around what was happening at the time and with Yorkshire going down. And I managed to have a good chat with the uh, BBC Leeds commentator, Jonathan Deutsch, after the kind of relegation. And, you know, we were all focusing, we were all talking about Liam Norwell and how much an exciting game that must have been to commentate on. But, I mean, obviously, he was disappointed with Yorkshire going down. But I think there's also, in some strange ways, a bit of relief because, obviously, we don't know what penalties Yorkshire were going to receive for the the racism allegations and scandal happening up there. And it may well have been relegation down. So actually, now that they're down, it almost takes a bit of the load off the ECB's back of going, oh, maybe we can just tuck. Well, like like what they like to do, tuck it under the rug a bit more. But, you know, they've lost a lot of players who have gone to different counties and actually Div 2 might be a better thing for them. But but Kevin James, he was doing the, the Hampshire and Warwickshire game and I was texting him. I think we communicate purely through emojis. Um, and so it was just the face from going to like happy, happy, happy and then wickets were falling and I was in a lecture just being like, oh God, okay, okay. And in the end, I had to ask my lecturer to put the live stream on. I was like, I'm really sorry, but this is massively important. <laughs> and then he's a cricket fan, so he was like, yeah, sure, throw it on. But it must have been, I mean, I think Liam Norwell's probably going to be given maybe knighthood anything sorry might give him a free house something i'm sure they've got the funds <laughs> something yeah i'm sure we can do, i'm sure we can sort something out that i just can't believe that happened uh obviously melissa's been there the whole way with hampshire but i think i put in my group chat with um mr joe andrews who's remarkably quiet but clearly waiting so for the white ball stuff to start <laughs> <laughs> you're um, so right mate when in the second to last game Obviously, we were clinging on for a win. We still had a chance of winning all three trophies, Hampshire. Uh, and I think we bowled out for 60, was it 60 odd? 60, 60, yeah, something. I almost crashed the car when I heard it read out loud. <laughs> it was single-handedly the worst moment of my season because I was driving up to Durham, I think, at the time for the women's T20. And I thought it was a joke. I genuinely, because to do that against Kent... 
the bowling lineup who have not been able to take 20 wickets on their home turf all season. You let them skittle you out for under 70 on your home ground. I'm not really sure what they were thinking, but I mean, yeah, that was that was throwing it away within two hours, really, for Hampshire. Yeah, in the words of Joe Andrews, what a way to give it away, really. Um, so that was the one, two other things I wanted to mention county champ-wise. Uh, one is Sam Northeast's 410 not out uh, for Glamorgan. The most remarkable thing about that is that Glamorgan won the game still after posting 795 for five. And I think a lot of people were disheartened when they dragged him off the field, 410 not out for a declaration. And it just proves, actually, after the winter we had and everyone was going for the county championship saying how rubbish it was, the quality of cricket wasn't enough, there's no runs. To have a game like that just sort of showcases how much this season has improved from previous seasons. And just what good cricket, amazing cricket, to, to have a game finish in, those, in um, these tight finishes we've had all season. There are so many high... Run individual run scores, I think, as well. I mean, as you said, Northeast hit over 400. He'd already hit, um, a, I think, Glamorgan's previous highest score before that earlier in the summer. Jennings hit uh, 300 plus. He hit another 299, I think, and he hit a, uh, well over 200 as well on his way to being the top run scorer in Div 1. I think he got over 1,200 runs. Um, he's obviously had his chance for England, but you still kind of think, oh, what if he could do that? But yeah, there was some really good individual batting performances, I think, this this season that really stood out. Um, who do you think, if if you had to say, um, was like your your standout players for, for this county championship season? Um, going through Div 2 as well, and not just Div 1, I think players like... Um, Potts and Brooke who have come out and then played well for England this year you think well they're a bit of a standout despite not necessarily playing all the games um, I always liked watching Pajara play for Sussex even though Sussex did quite poorly um, every time you sort of turn that game on he'd be he'd always be in because he doesn't get out and he's always playing some lovely shots well, this, that's the thing with the criticisms the county championship was getting, that it's a subpar competition. How is it still withdraw? you know, how's it getting Pajara into the country to play Div 2? How's it getting Marnus Labuschagne into Cardiff for three months of the year? Like, he's strolling around Butte Park up by the river and going into the local pubs. And, like, you have these renowned international players coming in to play in our Div 2 because it is a good competition. And, yes, you may have some games where Ben Stokes hits you know, many sixes in a row against a young spinner and it gives people an opportunity to launch onto it and say it's not a good enough quality. But it it's just prepared so, as you say, Brooke and Potts are good examples and you've got the next real generation of players coming up. The fact that the Currens went back to playing in the county championship and they've both developed their skills so much for Surrey has been remarkable. You've got Tom Haynes has been fantastic. Sam Hayne, who miraculously hasn't, been named in any kind of squad recently which is quite insane really and you mentioned Keith Barker James Fuller he's had an absolutely revolutionary year for Hampshire and he's an absolute king so I love him very much 
And that's across all formats as well, isn't it, for Fuller? I think maybe that's a good way to, to lead into the T20 blast, maybe. Because, and in the 100, to be fair, he just had a really good year of cricket with bat and ball, didn't he? He did, and I mean, that's why he's been picked up in this new South African T20 league. He's going over to play in the team, which is coached by Adi Birrell, who's the Hampshire coach as well. And, you know, it... You don't want to say you're you can you know you've lost all your opportunities once you pass the age of thirty, but I don't think he even saw this kind of season coming in the form he's had. And they've they've got a new bowling coach, and he seems to have revolutionised the outlook of so many of the players. And just the way Fuller's performed today has really been, I guess, indicative of the whole of Hampshire, which in the T Twenty class obviously worked out for the best. But the way it started, I mean, I remember watching their first three games. What was it? Three losses from the first three when Surrey smoked us for over two hundred at the Oval. I was ready to pack it in and become a Somerset fan. But they, I mean, it was remarkable the the spirit to pull it back. It was one of the strangest campaigns I think I've ever had witness to. I don't know what Rosie's experience of it was like because everyone thought Surrey was going to win it from the start. Surrey were good until Melissa posted that video to Star Wars and then she cursed us because that was when we were, we lost our first game of the season. Not that I'm bitter about it or anything, but it, it really threw us off. I think I, I think I got into the heads of multiple Surrey players, uh, lived there rent-free, um, Probably have a ban from the Oval. Every time I had to go there for the 100, like, put my hood up and, like, snuck in the back door. But, no, I mean, the same, as I say, at some point it looked like Hampshire could bring back all three trophies. At points it looked like Surrey could do it as well. And it hasn't really felt like any other teams have posed that kind of threat across all the formats this year, really. I know, you know, Kent had a good time in the Royal London, but that didn't really come from anywhere they'd had a shocking season for everything else Warwickshire have had such a slump of a season in terms of the Red Bull stuff and they played abysmally in the quarterfinal up at Edgebaston versus Hampshire and just all these big teams with quite big names and big signings which just they had a bit of a flop era hmm. although saying that what I quite enjoyed you didn't really notice it but um, Lancashire sorry yeah, that's they, they managed to come second in everything yeah they, they lost the final of the One Day Cup. They lost the final of the T20, which we'll get onto in a second because that was, that was brilliant. a ridiculous game. Uh, and also as well, um, Manchester Originals came second in the men's 100 as well. Um, and then somehow second in the championship. It's really funny though, just... because Lancashire are a team where it's very easy to dislike them. And after T20 finals day, we were down pitch side and... You know, Phil Salt was down there and I think he got caught throwing his bat and screaming at people. And obviously Dane Villas was not very happy. He was on the big, in the in the ear of, of James Vince. And as soon as you do stuff like that, you're like, oh, it's going to be so easy to hate you. And, you know, it, it is insane for them, though, to come second in that many competitions. Again, I mean, they've had fantastic, fantastic depth in their squad this year it's great that Keaton Jennings has been recognized for his contributions going to Pakistan with England and actually one who uh, who's never been spoken enough until the most recent T20 series in Pakistan Luke Wood apart from his slightly stupid looking little mustache he is an exceptional just person in general exceptional cricketer who's finally being recognized and hopefully he'll go far in an England shirt as well but yeah it's been quite 
quite a strange season for Lancashire, especially as they've been having almost a little fight with all their fans on the side the whole time this season's been running as well. It's been a difficult time. And I think on the easy to hate thing, Joe Andrews is not a fan of Lanky the Giraffe. No, I hate him. Hate him. What's wrong with Lanky? He was just sat in front of me for the whole um the whole of finals day. I was in with like Lancashire fans. But um, do you not respect the fact that Lanky was the only mascot who stayed out the entire day entertaining yeah. the fans because I'm He wasn't entertaining me. He wasn't are you sure you're the, the target audience though? Yeah, I'm at the cricket. You should be I, mean, I I had some, some deep-rooted respect for Lanky because, yeah, he was out there entertaining people, which was fun. And then for the mascot race this year, me and Atif Noaz went down onto the pitch and thought it would be funny if we commentated on it whilst running the lap of the pitch. And it looks really fun on TV. And you just go, oh, it's only one lap of Edgebaston, it's not that bad. I couldn't breathe. I literally could. I think all people heard through their radios was just. <gasps> I don't know how they're doing it, especially Lanky with that the the height of the neck. Because Alex Hartley and Kate Cross went and put put on the outfit to do to do the races, and and Hartley said it was one of the hardest things she's ever done. I've I've heard from a few people. I spoke to Nick Friend the other day at the Writers Club, and he was just he said that nah, literally killed him off. I think he sto- became stone cold last, but he said it was the hardest thing yeah. he's ever done in his life was the mascot race. Well, Pinky the Panther for Middlesex is the heaviest outfit out of all of them, and it it, it has to it be transported be up in a special car because it's so heavy, and you have to wear a chin strap underneath it because if it rocks back, the weight of it basically just. I'd like to imagine it would just be instant death. So he had to wear almost a crash helmet, padding all around it. And, oh, bless him. When when he landed on that crash mat at the end, I thought he was going to need medical attention. It's, you know... And I I got... I actually applied to be in um, the mascot race this year. Um, Basically, the plan was that if Hampshire didn't make it, I was going to volunteer to be one of the mascots who didn't get picked to go and they needed volunteers because I said unfortunately live on air that I wanted to run in the mascot race um so maybe next year if Hampshire exactly so maybe next year if Hampshire don't get through then I'll secretly join the race and see just how hard it is but I'd need to find quite a small small outfit otherwise I think the head would fall off yeah I can't think what mascots there are there's they, could, they only make really difficult ones. Like, giving someone a draft costume is probably the most stupid thing you could yeah. do when running a race. I could, I That's half the, the point, though. Yeah. Like, no, it's not the point. <laughs> I love as well that Sussex already had a shark, and they went, let's make an even weirder one and do a hammerhead shark. That poor bloke, yeah. he's running with his centre of gravity all over the place whilst trying to crawl under some army netting. I'm like, this is the quality entertainment we need. Exactly. Really. I think... We've just done 10 minutes on the mascot race and actually that was what I was looking forward to most on, on finals day but it turned out the final was actually a little bit better than the, the yeah. mascot race in the end. Um, <laughs> um, shall we quickly do two minutes on why the final was so good? Melissa was commentating for, um, was it for the local radio you were doing at that point? Yeah, local radio. Yeah. Talk us through what happened in the final over. Well, um Fortunately, because it was local radio, you can be as biased as you want in that situation. So we were only speaking to Hampshire fans on our stream, essentially. Um, 
I was getting quite anxious, quite riled up. Um, Accusations of cheating were going around left, right and centre. I was stood up on both feet and when you're doing local radio, you often alternate over by over. Someone commentates, someone summarises. And I worked out quite quickly that if this went down to the last over, this would be my my turn to 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 describe what was happening. And I mean, I, obviously, I, I captured the, the moment on video, which I'm really glad I did do now, because usually I like capturing the moment the team wins. It's a big moment. You can watch back the video and go, oh, that was fun. But I just remember seeing and smiling. I was watching the Hampshire boys down on the pitch and Mason Crane did a special dedication dance to Shane Warne with the stump above his head. And it was amazing. The fireworks obviously went off and smoke was everywhere. And I was kind of scanning the crowd to spot the the groups of yellow jumping about to describe what the fans were doing. And that's when the, the sign came up on the big screen, just no ball and... You just, I mean, I didn't, I was so shocked. I just kept saying it's a no ball, it's a no ball. And Kev next to me just didn't, but he, he wasn't speaking. So I just had to keep speaking and try and, I mean, I even got a text from my friend saying like, what's happening? We've left the pub. I was like, go back in the pub. And I mean, it was, it was interesting. James Vince spoke about it at the awards night and we tried to get his perspective on what the umpires said to him, you know, about what was happening. And, you know, he, he's a very calm person so for him it was absolutely fine look we do this again Nathan Ellis you can do you can just bowl a serval it'll be absolutely fine but I think it was it was worse for the fielders because they just had to obviously then run off they'd celebrate having that adrenaline that feeling of oh my god we've done it to just we you know we might look mugs out on the pitch now that we've celebrated and it I it was honestly one of the most unbelievable days of my life I think we stayed out there. I was just sat on the outfield at the end of the game, looking around me like all the Hampshire fans and were on the side and the players were sat on the outfield as well. And I think we ended up leaving the ground around midnight, got home at like 2, 3 a.m. and had to actually go play a cricket game the next day, which wasn't ideal. But I mean, it it really was like a day which would just go down in my memory forever. I, I would never like it to go down to the wire that much ever again. Um, and I don't think Nathan Ellis is ever going to bowl a no ball again. But again, it just shows the value of how just how incredible he was. And I mean, as soon as London Spirit, let's say in the hundred, basically picked up the Hampshire bowling lineup, and as soon as they signed Nathan Ellis, I was like, they could win this because he can defend anything. And if he's not in Australia's starting eleven, I I will be deeply disappointed because I just don't think anyone bowls bowls as well at the death than he does. What did you think of him at the beginning of the season? Because when I first watched it, obviously we lost, Hampshire lost the first three games. So I, I didn't really get a good uh, feel for how good a bowler Nathan Ellis really was. And I loved, I love his action. I don't know what it is. It's just a little bit sort of jerky and like sort of like he's not very comfortable running in. I don't know what it is. He kind of a little hop and a skip. Um, but in the end, the nerve to, to bowl that ball and, well, I mean, the Talking about uh, Lancashire fans, I think they're still claiming that they ran two off the last ball and won the game. I, I mean, they, they, I think they spoke about this on on tail enders, um, and obviously Jimmy was like, "Oh, you know, I think they ran two, but when that, you know, they knew it was it was too near. They had to run back, and by the time they'd run, one guy had already given up, and it was only when he got called through by his mate that he he went for two. But by that point. All the stumps had gone, Hampshire were celebrating. It was a dead ball. It's like, you know, any other game in world cricket. You wouldn't see that with 
let's say that had happened in the World Cup, it, it just doesn't line up. And I know obviously there's frustration because they had two chances to win it and they still lost. That's just on them. Like it's, and it's a, you know, it was a fantastic, I think it detracted away a bit from how good a game of cricket that, that really was in the end, which is the same with the, the run out, the non-strikers and stuff we've had recently. It just detracts away from good cricket, uh, which is a shame. I didn't know whether to bring this up. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know this probably wasn't your favourite part of the summer to be working on. Um, uh, I, I wanted to bring up something positive that came from it. And that was Charlie Dean playing in the Rachel Hayho Flint Trophy final the day after. I think the, the, the point we're making, we all know what happened uh, at Lords at the end of the season. And there's been enough said about it, I think. Um, but Charlie Dean, first ball of, the, of her spell in the final, and she runs up and stops in her tracks and goes, pretends to run out the non-striker. That was my favourite moment of the summer. Uh, just what a, what a brilliant moment. And I think everyone in the stadium uh, in Lords found it quite fun as well. Um, let's, hope, oh, I don't know. let's not have a conversation about the run out. Mm-hmm. Should we not do that? I don't know what we could add or to it, to be honest. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One other person I do want to give a quick shout out to is Darren Stevens. Um, before we wrap up, um, bowing out for Kent at the end of the season after winning the One Day Cup final. Um, 84 not out in the semi final to pretty much single handedly beat Hampshire. What a man. He'll be sorely missed. Do you think he'll um, play on? Do you think anyone will pick him up before the end of the season, before the start of next season? I mean, I'm not sure what Rosie thinks. I think, I I think he will be. I think there's a there's a team like a, a Worcestershire, maybe a Derbyshire, where he would you know really benefit joining a setup like that. Maybe which will be playing in Div Two in the Red Bull stuff because he can still do a fantastic role. And you know, his stats are remarkable bowling wise. That he was a batter up until probably like ten years ago. Yeah, if you look at the wickets he's got, it's remarkable. Um, I also think maybe similar to what Anya Shrubsol's doing now in terms of having a, a player coach kind of role. Obviously, I don't know whether he wants to go into coaching or whether he'd just actually just want to hang up whilst still being a, a player. But I, I'd like to think there's still a club out there who can see the value he would bring to their setup, especially their younger players. Yeah, definitely. Um, like, he can't. He can probably add the most in terms of experience out of everyone who's currently playing in either division, and like just the value of playing with someone like Darren Stevens, who's played in as many situations as he had, has. It'd be so valuable for especially younger players coming up. I don't think he'll ever retire. No. I think he'll be playing when he still deserves an England call up. I still yeah. want to see him play for England. I think they should wheel him out onto the pitch when he's in his 80s and just get a runner. He can just stand there and he wouldn't even need a bat. He could just use his walking stick and just <laughs> yeah, still get it away to the boundary. He's just so good. And I love the cult which is built around him. People with bold caps on and Steve-O shirts and, and the flags and the chants because it really does almost just encapsulate cricket as a sport 
because he is the most likely professional cricketer in England right now who you could also see playing cricket on a Sunday and with a pint in hand, umpiring at square leg. Like, he, he, is, he looks like the average male cricketer in the UK. So, of course, people love seeing a bloke in his 40s go up and bowl these little dibbly-dobblers and make these exceptional batters look so average. It's, it's just such a, a winning, triumphant story from cricket. And I think that's why people love him. He's just relatable. Who will retire first, Jimmy Anderson or Darren Stevens? Neither. Jimmy's six years younger. Neither. I, neither. Never. Neither will ever retire. I, mean, I think I'll retire before them too. I just don't know when Jimmy is really going to go because there was lots of rumours that Stuart Broad was maybe going to retire at the Oval and yeah. people were debating Jimmy going as well and but I do see similarities between Jimmy Anderson, Catherine Brunt and Darren Stevens that you will have to drag them kicking and screaming off that pitch they will not go by choice but then you want them to go by choice because you don't want them to be asked to leave a bit like a Charlotte Edwards situation I remember when Charlotte Edwards just got kind of phased out and she wasn't able to have that big last game I was so upset and I, I imagine lots of young people who have seen her as a role model would have been upset with that as well so you almost worry in your heart of hearts I mean for Darren Stevens for me if it was me that would have been it the Royal London final yeah. I would have gone off as that because it's everyone was you know worshipping him and I, I can only hope the same for the likes of Jimmy or, or Catherine Brunt that they can also have that, that kind of send off hopefully an Ashes win and then Jimmy will be able to hang up his boots yeah, that's the next goal. summer I think that'd be a good time for him to bow yeah. at the Oval like that that'd be good definitely I, I had one more topic I wanted to bring up if that's alright which we, we haven't really discussed too much about the 100 um, it's obviously in its second year I didn't. Um, I'm probably the target market of the hundred, right? I didn't watch much of it, and I don't know whether that. Um, I don't know whether it is working as it is. Do you think that having this strange, different format is is long term, or whether it's just like? I mean, it's a quite a big debate, but you know, maybe keep keep your points quite succinct. But do you think it's something that actually? Um, is going to stick around or what, does it just make cricket a bit more confusing and should they have just done a, a franchise league that's T20? Rosie, do you want to go first? Oh, do you? It's a big question. Um, well, uh, <laughs> for me, like, I don't think it was necessary. I'm pretty sure everyone knows it wasn't necessary. Uh, it has done its goal in bringing in new fans. Like For me, personally, one of my mum's carers who I've been trying to get into cricket for years absolutely nothing then went to a 100 game this year met a few players she's met more players than me I'm still a little bit bitter about it but um, like it has brought in new fans but you, it's hard to see why they couldn't have just done like a revamped T20 league it's the only thing that makes it kind of interesting is the fact that you've got the women's and the men's teams playing at the same time so you get to see them together but I'm sure they could have worked some way around it if they pumped this kind of money into it that they have the 100 to do the same with the T20 competition. But then I feel like it's too late for it to not work for us now. Like, if it fails, it's, it's going to end terribly for English cricket. Mm-hmm. So the, the obviously it's, it's quite easy to say... So first of all, I'd say my views of the women's 100... I have no criticisms. I'm completely happy with how it's operating, the opportunities. 
uh, you know, that the more professionalisation and the stage they're playing on, fantastic. But uh, for the men's competition, it's not quite working yet. The 100's not going to go anywhere. It's here to stay. They've pumped a lot of money into it. And the whole reason the 100 was created, you, they couldn't have done the same with the T20 Blast and just added on the Charlotte Edwards Cup. Firstly, because these teams didn't have that joint identity. You don't see those fans from Sussex supporting the Southern Vipers because it feels like a Hampshire team almost, but not quite. And there was never that, that coalition in there together. But the main thing was that... The ECB needed control of the competition, but so much of the T20 Blast is controlled by the media. It was out of their control. They weren't able to get, you know, the, the necessary funds and it wasn't centrally controlled. They needed the centrally controlled competition. They created the 100, unique, so it would stand out across the world. But there's, there's, there's so many problems. And I think everyone would admit that the men's competition's underperformed. They haven't brought in the talent they wanted to because players leave to go play in the CPL and they're late because there are other competitions around the world. Um, maybe it would have the potential to, to get bigger over time, but at the moment it's the same players from the T20 Blast playing in the 100 in the men's competition and some of the games have actually been absolutely awful as well. But, you know, they're, they're, there's got to be the scheduling's got to be sorted out, uh, whether it's either a 50-over competition, you know, still running at the same time, whether there's cricket festivals for the Red Bull players because, you know, someone like a Rory Burns has nothing to do in August, yet he's been pivotal for Surrey. How is a player like him going to get back into, you know, these England folds if he's doing nothing during August? It's, it's, it's There's such problems with how it's going to continue to go forward because you've got this battle of we need to get loads of Red Bull cricket, we need to get the money and we need to get the fans in. We've got to keep up these four formats we've now created but then also we're injuring all our bowlers. They've all got stress fractures because we're playing them for too many games. So what's the solution? God knows. And I would probably rather work for the devil than work for the ECB right now and try to solve these problems. But yeah, the women's competition, massive thumbs up. I've loved it so much. But the the men's competition, it's great fun. And I, I have a, a blast covering it. Apart from the fact you can't say the word over. That's the worst thing ever. Shocking. Um, yeah, that's really weird. You have to say set. It's not it's mm. not great. Yeah. But um don't like it. No. But yeah, the the men's has a little way to go if it wants to compete with I mean, I don't think it's even close. And I could very likely see this new South African T twenty league immediately overlapping the the men's hundred in terms of you know, just the quality of the players going over there. It needs two things, the hundreds. It needs better scheduling, which means that the players don't start leaving like you wouldn't get it in any other sport I think where your team reaches a final and your best players that have got you there to the final go yeah I'm off see you later um, the other thing it needs that would really do a lot for it is a Netflix series that would this is Andy would. trying to pitch it he's got he's, he's pitching this to people and he wants no to I will it, it needs a Netflix series and I, it would, all... I would like a Welsh Fire series I would like yes, to definitely. document Welsh fire. They're in the dirt. They're not winning any games. And like a collab between the men's and women's teams. And mm. then obviously yeah. it'd be great if next season they both went and won. And then that would be like the biggest like zeros to hero story of all time. I can see it breaking the Bridgerton record, everything. Can you get Andy a job doing that? I think he wants to make this documentary. I'm going to pitch it, mate. I'm going to pitch it. Honestly, think about it. Look at what um, the F1 doc has done for that sport particularly in America I think it would do very similar things for the hundreds and in India 
I would think. you like cause obviously the Australian test team have their documentary series going around there do. would you be interested to see one for the English test team around the baseball era because I think that's pretty sellable yes. I think everyone would yes. who but wouldn't want to yeah. see that I would, I would like it in the theme of the office so you can go <laughs> record them all in a meeting and get clips from that and then just jump over to like Brendan McCullum just absolutely slagging people off in the side room and then you jump over back into the meeting and oh, I just think it would be such a good dynamic. Can it follow them around kebab shops as well? Yes. I think that's the best bit. I yes. want to see what a night out with the England team looks like in Mega We've Munch. got a little glimpse. <laughs> we need more. I think and that was one of my favourite moments of the summer. For, and them in, what was it called, the kebab shop? Was it, was it Mega Munch? Mega Munch. I think it, no, I think it yeah. was Mega Munch. Where's Bindley Mega Chippy? Is that... Is that near a test ground? I'd love oh, to see him in there. That would be quality. I think is that, near, is that near Derby? It's, it's Midlands. It's like Stoke or something, isn't it? Oh, God, I don't know what that is. Maybe. Uh, it's not really any test grounds near there, is there? That's a shame. No. I mean, I've, obviously, I'm, so I'm Bristol-based now, and just 10 minutes down the road is the infamous Ben Stokes nightclub, in which... Um, Embargoes. There. <laughs> yep, it is, but there's an annual cricket social there because of Ben Stokes to, to pay pay tribute to, to that moment. But, you know, you, you hear a lot of stories about England nights out, really. So just imagine going in for a kebab at two in the morning and you turn around and, like, Joe Root's at the front, just, like, his eyes just completely glazed over, almost dropping a kebab on Ollie Pope. It's just a thing of beauty. Why don't you say your favourite moment from the podcast, Steve? From this episode? Yeah. Well, I, I liked going through all the different teams that, that did well. Obviously, um, Hampshire winning the Blast and, uh, and uh, Trent Rockets winning the 100. And, but we all know who the real winner is. Cricket's always, Cricket's always the, winner. the winner. Come on. Podcast Network.